Welcome back to another edition of the Throws Doc Podcast. I'm your doc, Dr. Charles Inferna. When we're writing scripts to cure your throwing ailments. The ailments we're going to be talking about today are actually research-based. Imagine that. And it's been quite uh, 20 to 23 so far. Uh, today we are recording on, let's see here, Tuesday, January 17th. And... Uh, uh, started out as a little bit of a rough day out here in western New York. Uh, got to school. School's closed for weather. Uh, so made for a lot of uh, catching up, which was great because we didn't have any other distractions. We did a lot of curriculum work, a lot of mapping, started to develop some outcomes and assessments and things but that's not what you're here for today what you are here for is to if you're an athlete to help uh, cure whatever might be ailing you in the circle if you're a coach how you can better assist your athletes in competition practice life etc and what I'm really excited about to share briefly with everyone today is finished up another research project, another paper where over the course of goodness, it's amazing uh, how COVID shuts things down and puts life on a hold. Uh, we started, I started a research project way back in 2020 when I was still with the University of Rochester. And essentially what the purpose of the project was, was to to better grasp the concept of what athletes perceive their relationships with their coaches to be like and what their perception of what an ideal coach-athlete relationship should look like and how those differ from each other. And we asked a whole bunch of other questions as well regarding um, how how much you think your relationship with your coach influenced your athletic performances, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses of your coach-athlete relationship, etc. So it was, uh, it was um, a coaching guide, well, an interview guide. It started out as a coaching guide uh, that developed into an interview guide uh, adapted from Haja at all. It's a great researcher out of. Australia that uh, has done a ton of work on um, coaching and philosophy with regard to uh, rugby in Australia. And I spoke to him a couple times uh, when I was at the U of R. And we actually talked a lot about programs and like teams and like cultures and how they're able to sustain success. And uh, at the time, this would have been. Uh, like 1819. I spent a lot of time talking to him about Judd Logan and told him who Judd was and uh, Ashland University and all the great things that Judd was doing there and had done there at the time. And uh, he's like, wow, that's really interesting. What is it about him that's able to continue that, uh, you know, that tradition? What is it about the college? or the university, rather. So that was really the impetus of the research I conducted. Not so much on Judd, but 
asking high-performing athletes, throwers, college throwers, what it was about their coach-athlete relationship uh, that they thought impacted, positively impacted their performance. And it took a long time to get this done. Uh, like I said, IRB application, starting the process, first interviews were conducted late spring, early summer of 20, wrapped up with the interviews uh, here, gosh, September was the last interview conducted for the project. So over that span, interviewed 11 throwers and asked them about coach-athlete relationships. And it's interesting um, what came out of the study because part of the limitations, we had a good a good uh, collection of D1, D2, D3, D3 throwers from healthy sample of both private and public schools and it really wasn't the point of generalizing but I'm really fascinated with the idea of specific colleges and I don't know why I don't know I'm trying to figure this out but like what is it about a college that is able to produce this environment that allows athletes to succeed at a high level right and when we're talking about success at a high level, it's been defined in the literature. Uh, folks defined it. I gave it a crack uh, last year. Uh, uh, Benny's defined it also, Benny and White. So basically, when we're looking at high-performing athletes, I'm looking at it from the university level. And uh, a college athlete that earns All-American at minimum, and or wins a national championship, I think they're considered high performing, right? Especially the way D3 numbers have, have uh, exploded in the last couple years. I mean, any D3 national champion, arguably an All-American in a specific event, you could All-American at D2 for sure, and a great chance to at least make the finals, if not All-American at D1 considering the circumstances and, and what happens, right? So, but what is it about unique situations that allows that to happen? And I'm like still perplexed by that. So if there's anybody who's gonna watch this, who's a researcher, who's interested in looking at like a retrospective or some type of, I don't know, I don't even know what the study how it would be manifested, but what is it about certain programs across the United States that allows them year after year after year to produce high quality athletes? And I'm talking about track and field, right? So what is it about schools? Like, is it geographic locations? Because you can look at TFIRS and basically TFIRS changes all the time, right? You're all Americans, you're national champions, like, so geographic location, if you would think that, you would think that you're SEC, Pac-12 schools, right? You're Arizona's, Arizona State, USC, UCLA, etc. ACC, like all these schools in these warm climates will produce high quality performances. And that's not necessarily the case all the time, right? 
facilities, well, depending on where you go, some have an indoor field house, some don't because you don't need it. Um, scholarship, well, if you're the top ranked high school thrower in the country, I guess essentially you could go anywhere you want, possibly. But when these specific athletes get there, whether they were high school All-American or not, there's something in the water, if you will, that allows these people, these coaches, these programs, these individuals, to achieve success. And I'm not sure what exactly it might be, but I'm gonna keep asking the questions because I'm I'm interested, right? Like I'll give an example. SUNY Fredonia, before I arrived in the fall of 2000, from 1976 to, gosh, 1998, 1999, won, like, basically every outdoor SUNYAC conference championship, right? The double decade of dominance. Shirts were made. Um, teams were extremely successful over the course of basically 20 years, right? So there were basically All-Americans every year across all event groups. And um, the All-Americans started happening, or those performances started happening pre-1984. So the Fieldhouse in Fredonia was built in 84. But before then you had uh, All-American um, Let's see, javelin thrower, shot put, discus, no, not discus, hammer, weight, um, 800, 10,000, pole vaults, uh, triple jump, high jump, long jump, like all these great performances, right? Without a field house. And I've argued, and I will continue to argue, that if you build it, they will come. Maybe not. Um, doesn't hold... Uh, as much weight as maybe we would like that to. But that's a conversation for another time. So anyway, so Fredonia basically ran wild in the SUNYAC conference here in uh, New York for about 20 years, uh, where there were multiple years when they won indoor SUNYACs, indoor states, outdoor SUNYACs, outdoor states, basically every year for multiple years. Uh, and there were some years where indoor track on the men's team we're, talking, we're just talking about the men's team, sorry. Uh, men's team would score over 300 points at the Indoor Conference Championship. Now, what's interesting about that is way back when, they would score six places for indoor track. 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. And there were three years that I can recall off the top of my head. Uh, 94 indoor, 95 indoor, where the men's team scored 300 points. 300 points in indoor track where you only score six places. Okay, so let's think, think about that for a second. And up until then, other schools had facilities as well, right? So what was it about Fredonia? I'm not really sure. I went there and I have no idea what exactly what caused all that to happen. It was a great coach, um, Jamal Rick, Doc Phillips. Like they basically ran the show for a long time. Of course, there were great athletes that came, but the one thing that does stick out a little bit is that the admission process was a little more, what's the best way of saying this? 
more athletes could get in in 1994 than 2004, right? Let's put it that way. But, I mean, Fredonia has brutal winters. There's nothing really gorgeous about uh, the campus that separates it from any other campus, Geneseo, Brockport, Buff State, you know, right? <clears throat> so that's what we're trying to figure out, but on a larger scale, at the D1 scale, D2 scale, even D3, where there's uh, so much, uh, or so many more uh, better performances or increased performances and things. And, uh, you know, we'll hold that thought. We'll continue uh, part two in uh, just a second here.